Yeah, we'll do we'll do we'll do a shout out. <laughs> Anyways, you about ready? We ready? I think so. Do it. Is this episode nineteen? That's what I thought. Alright. Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of four thirty in the morning. This is your boy Ben. And Pat is back as well. Episode nineteen. Nineteen. Almost to twenty. Almost there. Uh, we're we're doing good. We're here. doing pretty well. I didn't think we we're gonna get this far. Moving along, we've we've been able to do an episode every week. Yeah, every, every like, week. We is... haven't really missed a week, except for Christmas, kind of. But we really didn't miss a week. We just kind of were kind of late. But right, we've been we've been in a steady a steady groove. Right, creating we've been, content. We've been doing pretty good. We've been trying our best to create good content for you guys. So yeah, how how are we doing on listens? It's not good. It's kind of falling off. Is it? Eh. We're at like seven hundred and five. I mean, that's good, though. It's not bad. 700, I'll take it. After the social media episode, I think a lot of people heard what I had to say and decided they weren't going to listen anymore <laughs> because after that episode did pretty well. After that, it's not been as good. Ah. The aliens do okay. The other ones haven't been doing well. Yeah. But, we again, we haven't advertised, so. That's true. Uh, hopefully, with this episode, we get we get back on the right track, right. so to speak. I think once we get some advertising in, we'll be all right. Yeah, we got to get YouTube up. That's my lazy ass just I not gotta, wanting to I do And I got to do Facebook. Facebook. Uh, I might get on Reddit. I talked, I've talked about it. I might try to advertise on there a little bit just to see if That'd we can get some, Reddit, get some reviews. Reddit has least. a huge... Now they're not gonna thing. like us because number one they hate blue collar workers. Number two they hate <laughs> they hate people they they hate people like us. Right. They hate people that are reasonably independent. I guess the redditors are mostly people that are dependent on their parents. Right. Don't have any money. Are in debt and are really snobby and obnoxious and play a lot of video games. Okay. We're kind of none of that. So true. True. We don't. We wouldn't be very popular. Even though I think we create very funny content. We do. I, think I don't we're think it would funny. matter. But anyways. <laughs> Before we get into our big topic today, what do you got news story-wise? I have two news stories today. So, first one here from one of my favorite sites called Odd News. That's where I get a lot of my shit from. Okay. Ohio man forgoes food for 46-day Lent beer diet. A Lenten beer diet? Yes. Sign me up for this. I'm, I'm interested in this one. So, an Ohio man is marking the Christian tradition of Lent by giving up solid foods for 46 days and getting the majority of his substance from beer. Substance. Dale Del Haw of Cincinnati said his Lent diet only includes beer, water, black coffee, and herbal tea. As of his uh, Friday morning weigh-in, day three of his diet, he was down 5.8 pounds. I only have about three beers a day, Hall told uh, WXIX-TV. It's not like I'm drinking constantly. If you eat your standard diet, it gets boring. If you don't eat eat the same thing every day. So I'm definitely not going to drink the same thing every day. And he already did this diet in 2019 and 2020. Each sign he noticed health benefits from the experience. He lost between 40 and 50 pounds both years and notice his blood pressure and cholesterol improved there, there's a lot that needs to be unpacked <laughs> with that um first of all he lost 40 to 50 pounds each year so you're saying he goes on this diet he loses a bunch of weight yes and then gains it all back probably and then does the same thing again the next <laughs> yeah. year yeah so that's kind of funny number two there there is some credit to this like it's not the most ridiculous thing in the world now the problem with a beer diet is you're not going to be getting as many vitamins right you might be getting some like in like an ipa you might be able to get like, some vitamin c out of that or something but yeah but he probably drinks beer the least amount out, sure. of, out of all of those he probably drinks mostly tea now water. the tea i'm on the tea thing these days it's not terrible but there's not a lot there's not a lot of vitamins in it you'd have to have some like vitamin infused tea right most of it like this is unsweetened so there's no sugar and there's no artificial sweeteners which is the good thing but it's not really adding a whole lot it's just like a different flavor of water basically right so it got caffeine in it i guess but i don't know i think that's crazy like that's a really interesting yeah it's great i I could see it happen like i could see you making it happen i mean there's enough in beer to keep you going for a while you'd be hungry i'd get hungry 
hungry, I'd get drunk on three beers if I'm not eating. Yeah, if you're not eating a thing. I'd be hammered. The dude's probably wasted all the yeah. time. Even if he had three beers. I'd be hammered on three beers without eating easily. So. Yeah, no doubt. Me too. Uh, you know, I'm already a lightweight, so. I don't know. That's, that's I mean, that's crazy. I think it's kind of cool. Right. I mean, he, he is doing it for Jesus, so I think we got to give him a free pass on that's that. Like, that is like really, it's a hell of a lot of willpower right there. That's a hell of a lot of discipline. Discipline, definitely. Yep. Like, not even to sneak a cracker in there, you know? Yeah, like I a, couldn't. Like, like a saltine. I couldn't do it. A cheese it like, not not one See, little thing. if I had to eat one thing, I'd eat a fruit. I feel like a fruit, like a grape, would fill me up more than a cracker would. Really? Yeah, or even, like, a bite of a banana. Like more, one, more carbs in a cracker. But one, if okay, if you're going to eat, you ever eat, like, saltine crackers? I would eat something that would take longer to digest. That's where I'd go with a fruit. I feel like a fruit's going to take longer. Fruit. I'd eat one bite of a banana over four saltine crackers. If I had to choose what's going to fill me up, four saltine crackers or one bite of a banana yeah i don't know i'd go with the banana and this isn't even relevant to the discussion at all (laughs) you got any news stories i I got a couple the first one i'm gonna do this one i just found today are you familiar with the offensive tackle russell okun i think he plays the panthers i gotta look i gotta look up where he plays real quick kind of sounds familiar uh he's been in offense he's in his 30s now he's been around for the while russell okun o-k-u-n-g he played he last played for the carolina panthers so he's 30 he's 32 he's been in the league for a while he's a two-time pro bowler two-time first team all-american in college 131 games in the nfl good player like a good left tackle like a not really a superstar but a guy you can put you can put in your offense and let him go pretty much right been in the league for 10 years so he's obviously doing the job he is notable he's notable because he keeps he, he fired his agent several years ago and has been negotiating all of his contracts since then so his first deal that he negotiated for himself was with the broncos and they completely screwed him they gave him, it was. It looked like a lot of money, but it was nothing guaranteed, and it was all incentive-laden. So after one year, they just released him. They paid him basically not a whole lot with yeah. all these promises that he did, that the team didn't have to hold themselves to. Jesus. And then just cut him. So then he played for the Seahawks for a while, and he was pretty good with the Seahawks. Like, he's not a bad player. Right. But he keeps negotiating these contracts for himself. However, it's finally paid off for him. His most recent deal with the Panthers, he decided before the season started, he wanted half his contract paid out in Bitcoin. I did hear about this. I didn't know it was this guy. Yeah. He wanted half of his contract paid out in Bitcoin. And the, the way that it was negotiated was it was going to be X amount, of dollar worth, X amount of dollars worth of Bitcoin at, at certain time for a certain price. Yeah. So he was banking on the whole thing playing out where Bitcoin was going to take off. Take off. And it did. Yeah. So he's now considered one of the top five highest paid players in the league right now. <laughs> Because I mean, he, he pulled out this negotiation last year. It's like fifty six grand right now. Yeah, and he negotiated half of it was like a thirteen million dollars salary. And the way the cap worked was it was negotiated it was capped at that for the salary cap purposes, but it was paid out like in like a future thing. Mm-hmm. So he didn't know what it was going to get paid out in. Right. I think they probably bought it at the time just to see where it was going to go, and That's it took awesome. off. So. Good for him. Yeah, I'm proud of him. I mean, this is this is one of the guys I've been following for a few years now. Yeah. He's never been a Brown, but he's one of those guys that you kind of root for because. He does the shit his own way. Right. He doesn't. He plays the league how he's going to play the league. And hey, he's a good player and he's doing well. So I'm proud of him. But hey, Russell sounds Okun, like he's done his research. He definitely has. He is not a stupid player. Right. right. Good so for him. I thought that was pretty cool. Awesome. So Ben, you got another uh, news story for us today? Yeah, from uh, Metro UK. Three Cubans have been uh, rescued from a deserted island in the Bahamas after reportedly living on coconuts and rats for 33 days. 33 days, coconuts and rats. Yes. Now, have you ever broken? open a coconut i can't say that i have it's very hard that's what she said it is but it is it's very hard to do and you can live off coconuts it doesn't surprise me 
and the milk can keep you hydrated. Sure. Even though the milk kind of tastes like shit. Doesn't matter if it keeps you hydrated. Yeah, but that's rough, man. Could you imagine being stuck on a deserted island? It's like Castaway, Tom Hanks. Yeah, I mean, he did it. He did it for a long time, though. Like, over a year. Wasn't it like a couple thousand days? It was something crazy. I can't remember. Because in, in that movie, the, the thing that stuck with me was the Tennessee Titans were the Houston Oilers when he left, and they were the Tennessee Titans when he came <laughs> back. But I could see it, especially considering that your first news story had to do with the guy that was drinking beer for his Lenten diet. Yeah. I mean, coconuts and rats is like eating large compared to this guy. So right. I could see it. So the, uh, the trio were airlifted to safety by the U.S. Coast Guard on Tuesday after being spotted waving flags during a routine air patrol. Various local media reports suggested the group had lived on... Uh, uh, conch shells, rats, and coconuts while struggling to find fresh water. The two men and a woman told rescuers that their boat had capsized in rough waters between Cuba and the Florida Keys, leaving them stranded on Angula Cay, according to uh, according to reports. Angula Cay. I think that's how you say it. Don't quote me. I don't even know what, what that is. So I don't know. I'm assuming it is it's either. an island. It but is, yeah, it is an island. In a tweet, the Coast Guard explained rescued three uh, Cuban nationals stranded on Angula Cay. A helicopter crew transferred two men and one woman to Lower Keys Medical Center with no reported injuries, but they were uh, dehydrated pretty bad. Yeah, that's probably the worst part about the whole thing is the whole dehydration yeah. thing. I mean, at least your our beer guy isn't going to get dehydrated on that diet. Right. Drinking the beer might dehydrate you, but they tea were, won't. So They were extremely fatigued as well i can imagine but if you're living in cuba you gotta get out i don't yeah. blame the guys for doing something right what you got anyways i got one more news story i had a couple but i'm i gotta to kind of pare it down this week so i got one more i really want to share chattanooga man charged with identity theft after trying to apply for handgun carry permit as former president barack obama <laughs> All right. The now, man also included a letter on U.S. State Department letterhead. Okay. I, I feel like this dude did it as a joke. No, it's unfortunately not the case. Robert Joseph Halleck was sent a denial letter from the Tennessee Department of Safety and Homeland Security Handgun Permit Unit on November 19th of 2020 due to an educated or com- committed mental defective and active warrant in Michigan. So basically there was something, he did something because he was mentally defective in Michigan and he had an active warrant out. Okay. Okay. Against him, which is why he got denied in the first place. Right. So he tried to apply as himself and got denied because he had this warrant out mm-hmm. and he had reasons that he couldn't be carrying a handgun. This guy really wanted this handgun. He went to the back to the drawing board. He's like, how am I going to get this handgun out? Like, well, I can't use my name. I need a clean name. Who's the cleanest name he could, he could come up with? I don't know if Barack Obama would be that, but. <laughs> he landed on Barack Obama. Oh, man. Okay. On January 21st, <laughs> 2021, the state of Tennessee says that Halleck sent another completed application form and a $50 check completed under the name President Barack H. Obama and forged a former president's signature on the form. Wow. He also included a letter on the U.S. State Department letterhead, and he's been charged with a Class D felony for identity theft. So this guy decided that if he can't get a gun, Obama sure as shit can get a gun. They're not going to say no to Obama. I don't even know where to begin. There's a, there's a, <laughs> there's a lot going on with this one. Okay, so I'm presuming this guy's white. Is he, say. Is he, is he white say. or black? It didn't say. Because this kind of matters. Does it? Kind of. I mean, you got to at least kind of look like Obama, right? That is true. I mean, if you somewhat looked like him, could he possibly have the same name? Is there another? Technically, Obama's name is Barry. He, Correct. He should have he went with Barry. I think he was just going for the clean name. I think that's all he wanted was that clean name. <sighs> I mean, he could have used a clean name not as notable. Yeah, but I think it was like, shit, they're not going to say no to Obama. 
<laughs> I, I get mean, the, I get the guy's thought process here. Yeah, it, there's there's a lot going on with this one. Good good try, man. Good try. I I can't I can't imagine what was going on in his brain. He's like, shit. They're not gonna give me my gun. Who would they give a gun to? Obama's probably the first thing that would pop up. Probably. That's funny. Could you imagine being the clerk that got this documentation? <laughs> <laughs> it's like what the like, what what the like, hell? Like oh, what? Hey boss, uh, Obama needs a gun. Hey, we, sir, we got we have Ob- Barack Obama in here, and we're <laughs> looking for a gun. <laughs> I don't know that one. Oh, that's good. I laughed out loud when I read that headline. That's funny. That's a good one. Yeah, that was one of the funniest movie <laughs> stories that's, that's that I found. That's a good one. Anyways. Are we about ready to dive in? Yeah. We're going to be getting into, this is our third episode on Aliens. Yep. Aliens Part 3, ladies and gentlemen. Are you guys uh, ready? What are we going to be focusing on? I pretty much got abductions today. Yeah. It's going to be mostly about alien abductions. I have two stories. Okay. I'm going to let you get into your stories. I'm going to do a little bit of a commentary before we get into this. Sure. Go ahead. First of all, what I've kind of noticed with our first couple episodes is that they're very much intro episodes because we're talking about a lot of different stuff. We're not diving super, super, super deep into all this stuff right so we're gonna go over a couple stories today you probably got some pretty deep research but with alien abductions it's such a ridiculously huge topic right and there's so much going on with all of these that this is almost going to be kind of an intro to alien abductions Mm -hmm. this is going to probably be a 30 part series at this point Uh, our alien discussions because I've still got I'm on the same book I've done three episodes with one book mm-hmm. I've got two more books that I got to read sitting at home I got several more that I want to order and read so there's a lot of material but we're gonna get we're gonna get into abductions real quick mm-hmm. so one thing I want to say before we get into this one and hearkening back to our last episode our late night deep dive into government cover-ups I think that some of the alien abduction reports were actually MK Ultra experiments where people were just looped out of their mind because they were right. either on drugs speaking with or just weren't in a good mental state and they weren't able to process what was going on so they said that it was aliens when it wasn't actually aliens right but i don't think that's always the case so yeah, we're gonna I get agree. into some we're gonna get into some cases today i'm gonna let ben uh get started so the two cases i'm getting into they're they're pretty well known okay but the reason the reason i like these cases is because one i don't think there were any type of hallucinations from uh in instance like mk ultra or something like that sure because absolutely. that there were witnesses in these cases that's why i like these two cases and that's that's a huge thing is when multiple people yes. see the same thing, it's t- it's a lot more difficult to dismiss. So I'm sure you know all about the Travis Walton case. Yes. And another thing I got to throw in here real quick is that I interviewed Tim prior to this episode about his take on alien abductions. And it was kind of a blind interview. I didn't really tell him what I was going to talk about. Anyways, the only case that Tim really wanted to comment on was this one, the Travis Walton case. So. Yeah. I hope I have everything down pat well, for this case. Luckily, I've got it somewhere in my book. So you can go ahead and get started. Yeah. So Travis Walton, this is probably one of the most known alien abduction cases in American history, honestly. Yes. Because... There's some crazy, I wouldn't say evidence, but just the whole the whole story is very compelling. And the fact that the, 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 Travis Walton's still alive, and he talks about his story all the time, and it does not change. And he's very, very detailed, and um, he he has a really interesting interview with Joe Rogan. I listened to the whole, I listened to almost the whole thing. Yeah, he'd only be about 67, 68 at this point. So. Yeah. So Travis Walton, he he worked in a seven man tree thinning crew at in uh, Apache Sit Grooves um, National Forest in. Arizona. 
Arizona. And this happened on November 5th, 1975. So after their uh, day at work, they were driving home and they saw a bright light through the trees, right? It basically always starts out with that bright light. Yes. Most of these abductions. Most of the right? good ones do. Right. And they see a flying disc, uh, you know, in like kind of in between the trees or whatever. Yep. But they're, they're they're pretty close to it and they can tell how big this thing is. They, they thought that this thing was about 20 feet off the ground and it was about 20 feet in diameter. Now, Travis starts to approach this thing and his the other crew members were like get away from that thing and all of a sudden this beam of light comes out of this flying disc and it hits him straight in the chest right? sure and these six guy, the six other guys witness the whole thing. Yep. And they book it. And so this guy is taken up into their spacecraft, basically. And he says he felt this, like, numbing force and, like, electricity through his body. And then his mind just blacked out. So he blacked out pretty much instantly. And he woke up. He woke up in, like, this medical-type lab with these lights. And he said the lights were pretty similar to what, you know, you would kind of see in a hospital. And um, he said that he saw these three beings, right? And they were, like, the, the, the typical alien-looking things that... Hollywood basically yeah. shows us. And right? that's one thing I'm going to throw in there real quick is when it comes to abductions, it's usually the same types of aliens. It's yes. usually what you ufologists, ufologists would classify as grays right. or tall whites, which they both look kind of the same. So Yeah, but... What's interesting about the Travis Walton story is that he sees other beings too that are completely that complete that look completely different, and I'll be getting into that later. Okay. So now these now these beings are brown. They have big heads. They're about three to five feet. They have big eyes. And now what he kind of says in the Joe Rogan experience is that we're taught by Hollywood to believe that these extraterrestrials are dangerous, but they're really not. And but he was so flabbergasted and he was so scared and all this shit. He he got up and he started swinging like this glass cylinder at them. Yep. When he when he was in this lab and the and the beings run out of the room and he tries to escape. So he's he's kind of running through the spaceship. He goes down this hall and he meets. Um, and this is when he comes. That's this is when he comes to encounter with these other beings. Is he runs into this muscular like good looking man, right? And he's wearing this helmet. And he had sandy blonde hair. And he had sandy blonde hair. Yep. And he led him out of the craft to another craft, and like they're in this like big hangar with a bunch of other crafts, right? And he saw three other beings that looked similar to this guy. They they all had sandy blonde hair, but these ones weren't wearing helmets. Sure. But they are all muscular, same type of body. Yep. But they weren't completely identical. They they looked like they were like just siblings. Yeah. And there was a woman. There was two men and a woman. There was two men and a woman. And he said that the woman was absolutely gorgeous, that she had perfect skin, and that she looked, at, and I quote, the epitome of her gender. That's what he says. <laughs> Which is kind of Which, weird. I mean, this dude in 75, <laughs> this logger. <laughs> right. He probably doesn't get a whole lot of action. Probably so. probably not. So the three people put him on a table. They put a mask over his face, and he passes out. The next thing he knows, he's back in Arizona, basically where he was abducted. Yes. And after he was abducted, his his other crew members, they, they try and go back and look for him, and he wasn't there. Sure. And so when he comes back... He thinks he's been gone for like one or two hours. Yeah. It turns out he's been missing for five days. And the police are investigating the six other crew members, right? And they're, they're, they're telling this abduction story, and it sounds crazy. The police don't agree, they don't believe them. Sure. So they all take these polygraph tests. Every one of them pass. The only There's only one of them that said inconclusive. Yeah, which that doesn't really mean a whole, nearly right. as much as anybody would make it out to be. Right, and you know... Polygraphs aren't used in court because they don't detect lies; they detect anxiety. Yeah, but but that's pretty compelling. 
that all these people passed went inconclusive. And the people that were conducting the polygraphs, they were completely convinced that this abduction happened. And another thing that's crazy is Travis, I'm pretty sure he wrote a book and there was a movie on this, this whole, uh, I can't remember what the name of the movie is called. Uh, the movie's not entirely accurate, by the way. He, he discusses that in the Joe Rogan interview. But uh, Travis discovered 15 years later that in the area where the UFO was seen and where it hovered, the trees had been producing producing 36 times the rate of tree fiber than uh, the last 85 years prior. Which, that right there... Just that, those particular trees. The whole effect on the tree thing is something that we need to keep an eye on. And we're not going to get into it on this episode. But I've always dismissed crop circles as a complete man-made myth basically a hoax mm-hmm. but when you analyze the cr- the crops and crop circles mm-hmm. very similar things are going on with the trees where you said that they were generating like 38 six times or whatever right that thing that that trend keeps popping up in different areas it's crazy so that's very interesting to keep an eye on it, that's one of the because you know i i kind of take his account and i'm like eh, it kind of sounds like other ones but the fact that all six of the other crew members mm. stuck to their story yeah they never wavered and the science behind what is happening with the trees like yeah when there's something how can, else how, how can you debunk that when like, there's how can you... something else going on the problem with travis is there are there are two problems with travis go ahead number one and this is why i personally and you probably at this point can't do you if we got abducted nobody's gonna believe me for sure if you got abducted probably nobody's gonna believe you at this probably point because you're talking about it <laughs> he also was interested in the stuff prior to it happening he was which immediately debunkers are gonna point and say there it is there's your evidence that he faked it who didn't talk about it though that's Honestly. true who, who, and if you're a 22-year-old logger, you don't have a whole lot going on in your life. Exactly. So anything weird or mysterious is going to pique your interest, and you f- would think. And the fact that he was missing for five days. Yeah, that's the other thing, too. Now, another problem is people are like, well, they use a story. The company used this story. They, they told the guys to do this to get them out of a logging contract that was gonna, not going to be profitable. How do you come up with this story? That's the thing. Like a five-day, you're going to put some asshole out there for five days. Out in the wilderness? Yeah. And not get found by game wardens or anything like that police investigations and exactly and there's another trend that keeps popping up is cops do this all the time where they have a microphone in the room and they leave the room hoping that the two guys together are going to talk they're going to try to get their story straight yeah and i don't know i think it happened in this case but it happens in a lot of cases where people who are together who saw something they don't waver when they're left alone at all they're like how the hell are we going to convince this cop that this was real because you know what you saw you know what i saw it was obviously a ufo something we can't completely explain we're going to get our ass hung out if this guy doesn't believe us basically crazy so and these guys were tried for murder like right and tim talked about this one too he said it's pretty good when you look at all the evidence it's pretty compelling there's a lot going on with it i kind of like that story honestly yeah i i I can i can see that it's real i agree and there's it's it's not that it's it stands out in terms of what happened because it follows the trends we're gonna get into the like the trends of what's going on in a little bit yeah but you got seven witnesses here who kept the story straight Mm -hmm. eventually over time someone's gonna break down right so I I believe that one. What's the other one you got today? So the other one I got, I'm going to try and pronounce this name correctly. Uh Uh-oh. So uh, Linda Napolitano. Napolitano? Napolitano. Is that how you say it? You know about this one? I got this one in my book, too. Okay. So now what's really interesting about this, uh, 
are the witnesses as well. And the reason I'm I'm gonna be getting into why the witnesses are so important. Yes. In this one. Yep. Okay. Okay. So just to um do the background of this. So November 30th, 1989, 3:15 a.m., New York City. She woke up to aliens around her bed, and she was unable to wake her husband. She was trying. She was trying to wake her husband. I would. They didn't. I didn't really. I don't know what the aliens did to their husband. Maybe they sedated him or something. Yeah. I, I don't really know. Yep. That's my guess. But so these three beings in a some type of language, they told her to be quiet. Okay. Sure. And they they levitated her out of the apartment window into their spaceship, and she was. I think it was the 12th story of this apartment building. So it's pretty high. It up. was high up. Yeah. It's pretty high up. So once inside, they did experiments on her, and they and they put some type of instrument up her nose. Right. Yep. And after she woke up two hours later at five eight and at five a.m. Two years later, in 1991, Linda reached out to uh, Bud Hopkins, which he is a ufologist. He is one of these guys that collects. Uh, he's an abduction author, basically. Yeah. And uh, she approached him with an X-ray of her nose, and the X-ray showed a uh, cylindrical object that Bub Hopkins described as a spiraling uh, extensions that curled out away from her face. And the X-ray was taken by a uh, podiatric surgeon, Lisa Bayer. Yep. And shortly after, she claims that the uh, object was removed in another abduction. Right. And I looked up the X-rays, and you kind of and they're online, and you can kind of see there some shit in her nose, which is pretty fucking crazy. So she saw a specialist to confirm uh, when it was gone, and there was a ridge of built-up cartilage in her in her nose that showed where the thing was embedded. Yes. Which is crazy. It is. It's a ridiculous. Cra- it's a crazy thing, and the whole implantation thing pops up a lot in these stories too. Yes. Where there's a foreign entity somewhere. Right. Usually it's the face cavities, or it's somewhere else. I, I can't remember how much time later, but Hopkins got a letter from police describing an event regarding him and his partner in 1989. The two were sitting under the FDR bridge and saw a blue light and a woman being levitated with three beings up to the flying disc. And they felt guilty. And one of the guys had like a nervous breakdown. He was spending nights underneath her building after the fact, you know. Yeah. And these two guys, they would visit Linda like multiple times to try and figure out what the fuck happened, right? And she directed them to Hopkins because now this is important. That's going to come later involving the witnesses. Hopkins wanted to keep this on the down low. She didn't want to tell. He didn't want her to tell anybody about it. She, they, she, he wanted to keep all the information and the evidence for themselves. Sure. Yes. Right. So Hopkins got another letter from supposedly these people, and apparently they were bodyguards for a uh, politician that was really well known. Okay. Now, and in this letter, the politician signed the letter, and he signed it in, and the signature just said him. And a lot of theorists and ufologists think that it was um, the former uh, secretary general of the UN. That's who they think this yeah, guy was. Yeah, and that's, yeah. And it would have been Javier Perez. Yes, Javier Perez. Javier Perez de Cular. Yeah, sounds about right. Now, what's crazy about this is this thing was kept under wraps. Not a lot of people know about it. Yep. But what was crazy is that 23 people came out and said they saw the exact same shit. 23 people. And this thing did not make public knowledge until those 23 people found out, saw it. Yeah. And a couple of them worked at the New York Post. That wasn't far. Sure. So that's pretty insane that 23 people saw this. And what the bunkers are going to jump on and what we need to clarify is, number one, that that is a very good story. And I had this one in my book, too. It's been a few weeks since I read that story, so I had to kind of refresh myself. Mm -hmm. But I got the basics down. Yeah, and you did really well with getting the basics down. That was a good breakdown. The problem is that the bunkers are going to say, oh, well, 23 people found out about it and wanted publicity. Mm -mm. It's not what happened. That's never what happens because most of these people have no incentive to jump out and validate something. Who's going to believe that shit? Especially if you're working for the New 
New York Post, you're risking your job. Yes. If you're a reporter, if you're a content creator for a media site and you're doing something that's talking about something that's out there that might not be well received, you're immediately putting your job on the line. Right. And one of the reporters from the New York Post, if I remember correctly, he was trying to say that um, she was seeing hallucinations. And But you're going to tell me that these 23 people saw the same hallucination? And Linda, there was a quote from her saying that, I think it's crazier that these three pe- that these 23 people saw the same hallucinations that I did. That's crazier than the abduction story. Yeah, no, you're right about that. That's exactly, that's a big point. And it's, it's crazy how if something like that pops up, all these coincidences just become coincidences if mm-hmm. they go against the narrative. Yep. But if they were with a narrative, they'd be immediately become evidence. Right. Coincidences are coincidences if they go against. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they start to play into the, the commonly perceived train of thought, then it's proof, proof proof yeah so that's something that we need to take into account right but you look at that case and especially the the implantation in the nose that stuff pops up all the that time that is insane and in the I fact mean, that there were x-rays but that, that that's a trend that's a trend in these abduction stories there's a lot of stories that break down various things that pop up over time there's a lot of implantations whether it's the nose is a good one the mouth mm-hmm behind the eyes, mm. in the ears, and all up in your junk. Like, I would not want to. Oh, boy. I wouldn't. That's not my thing. So, but, I mean, there's there's consistencies between all these stories. Right. And, and yes, there are implantations on balls. Guys have had lumps that aren't anything bad. And when they have surgery done, thinking it's cancer or whatever, they pull out a little metal bit, and they're like, how That's the hell un- did this get that here? That is unbelievable. How did this get here? Like, it's like, well, Doc, you know. How can you tell these people that their experience didn't happen when they're literally pulling metal objects out of their testicles? And they test the metal, and it either disappears or it comes out to be something that they can't explain. Incredible. Every single time. And the other thing, too, is they go in, they deal with the belly buttons quite a bit. And we've talked about belly buttons on our previous episodes. Only the Audis. But they, they go in that shit quite a bit. They're very obsessed with reproduction, with human reproduction. Wow. Which kind of leads leads one's credit into the ancient alien thing where they created us. They're just tracking to see how we're... I have seen something like that. Where they're tracking to see how we're doing replication-wise. Right. And one thing that Timothy brought up, I did a quick interview with him prior to this episode, is that in a lot of these cases, people are on these spaceships. And one thing that happens a lot is after they have their experiments done, the aliens give the humans that they're experimenting on a tour of the ship. They show them around, which is kind of funny. It's like, here's where we do this, here's where we do this, yada 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 real it's a real quick chore but they, they show them around basically before they release them back into the world right and it happens a lot where people are shown other humans usually they're very genetically enhanced humans like they're like the perfect choice specimens basically like they're really good looking they're really strong whatever right but that, that it pops up a lot so it's incredible you know it makes it, you wonder it, if they're playing with balls and they're going in the stomachs like <laughs> what are they like i don't know man like even if you look at travis walton's story like what he said when i listened to the joe rogan interview that he did with him he was saying that they they basically treated him pretty good yeah you know and it was it was kind of almost like they kind of wanted to show him around but he it's, was freaking out so much that they just sent his ass back it's usually that trend is usually what's going on is it's usually not completely a negative experiment experience right but the implantation that that's a that's a trend but it that would, that would be terrifying i wouldn't want to do it and i think that they they specifically target certain people like they would they wouldn't want my dumb ass like what are they going to do with my genetics like <laughs> I mean, what are they going to do with me? I mean, I got, got a bad leg. They're, they don't want to mess with that. Yeah, but, I mean, physical manifestations, bruisings, lesions, scars, and the like found on, a, a, found on abductees 
in many instances. Uh, independent witnesses pop up a lot. Abduction reports from children as young as ages two or three. Now, I'm almost more likely to believe a two or a three-year-old when it comes to that type of thing. Right, because what are they going to know about aliens prior? It, they they can lie, but the fabrication of a story is difficult at that age. Yes, I agree. And the eyewitnesses are a big thing. Like, if you got people seeing this type of thing, what, what are you going to do if you got five different eyewitnesses? Right. And there's a lot of them out there. There's a lot of them out there where it's something gets called in. Like we think it's a helicopter flying around. Go send a patrol unit out there. I don't know if it's how you get a triangular-shaped thing with a red light, and it's just hovering there silently. Mm-hmm. And then four or five people see this thing. What do you do with that? And the the most famous abduction case, and I'm not ready to talk about it, is the whole Betty and Barney Hill thing. I don't know if you've heard of that one before. I have heard of that. It was in 1961 where they were it was a couple up in the north northeast somewhere, mm-hmm. just driving home after something. They got abducted, and they had it was a perfect setup for all the things, but it didn't become public until five years later they spent five years getting their story together between the time where they reported it initially and by the time where it became public mm-hmm. it was five years before they published anything about it right it's like they were out to make money right it's just first of all you have to muster up a lot of confidence because no a lot of the majority of people aren't going to believe you and the thing with betty and barney hill is that they were an interracial interracial couple in the 1960s which that was taboo yes that was back not then you, they, they weren't they were not people they were good people but they were not people that wanted to attract attention to themselves back then in that exactly, culture. Exactly. So for them to make up this type of story, it's like it's crazy. It makes sense for them to wait five years before they do it because it's five years of getting your shit together to do it. Mm-hmm. It's not something you're going to do for publicity because you don't want publicity to begin with. You just want to live your life. And they, these are people just wanted to live their life, basically. Right. And Barney ended up dying early due to some random brain aneurysm, which could have been tied into the whole abduction thing. But they had everything. They had the lost time. They had the tour around the ship, the examinations. It was everything was there wow and everything keeps popping up the consistencies keep popping up and it's always there are people in like isolated parts of the country that get abducted and the story is always the same Mm -hmm. the one that struck me and it's it's in my book and my book again people is alien agenda by jim mars which is a 1997 book this is the book i've been doing most of my research out of for this show the first three episodes at least but the one that popped up was and a lot of one thing i need to say before i get into the story is a lot of this evidence comes out through hypnosis which that's a little kind of it's not really refined science even though it's starting to become more regularly accepted than it used to be hypnosis i I think hypnosis is a cool thing because you can you can enter parts of the brain that you normally don't enter as far as memories you know because because you you can reach those memories if you really think hard about it and i'll be honest with you too i kind of i do a lot of my own i live alone so i do a lot of like my own mental exercises by myself i don't do any mental exercises as you can tell no you do pretty well you do better than the vast majority of people that i I interact with on a daily basis but anyways there are things that are repressed in my brain that i have to really dig deep yeah. to dig out. So the process of hypnosis is basically it's just relaxing your mind enough to make the digging easy, basically. It's what I think it is. Yeah. But a lot of these stories come out through hypnosis. So a person that thinks of something happened, and usually it's corroborated by a family member or another witness. It's like, hey, this thing happened or it keeps happening or I keep having these weird dreams that are disturbing my life to the point where I need to have something checked out. They go to a hypnosis person. 
a hypnotist mm-hmm. and have some analysis done. But the one story I read was a girl, a conservative Christian out in the Bible Belt somewhere, small town family, a girl that hadn't been exposed to the world basically. Yeah. Was out there and it, the UFO landed on her ranch basically. She was the one that got abducted and was out there for a while and she saw all these different things. And what she was, the stuff that she was talking about, like she was talking about like a bird that was rising from the flames. A bird? A bird that was like a dead bird that was rising from the flames. Okay. Which is obviously a phoenix. Yes. But when they were talking to her, they were like, so a phoenix? And she's like, what? After the thing, they were like, she's like, I, I, this isn't something I'm familiar with. And they were looking at her, everything that she would have known about. The phoenix never would have popped up because it's not part of Christian symbolism at all. Right. It's more Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah it's, yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, it's myth, It's Greek mythology, I think. Dumb- Dumbledore's phoenix. Yes. But also Harry Potter made it very popular. <laughs> But it wasn't something that she would have just known about. Right. But when they were talking to her about the aliens, she was able to interpret it as like positive towards her faith. But also it was like, well, not really because it's it's verifying a lot of other stuff that she wouldn't have known about. Right, exactly. And it's like, how would she have created the symbolism had she not actually That's had true. it in her brain? Because it wasn't something like, it wasn't like she had access to a lot of books or whatever. There wasn't a lot of information out here to put the idea, just the inception of the idea in her brain. It wasn't there. So, I don't know. That's compelling. It's interesting. It's interesting at the very least. Anyways, the volume of cases out there is overwhelming. It's insane. Like, you talked about two cases that I read about, that I read about in this book, that I couldn't even remember because I read about so many. Like, I remember remember the the Palatana one and the other one, but I couldn't remember the names. Right. Does that book have the story of, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was a pilot, and he was taking this really short flight, maybe like an hour, and he radioed uh, air traffic control that there was something hovering over his plane, and it was there, and it was gone. It was on their radar. Like, they had... It on their radar yeah and um it wasn't that bad of weather or anything like that but and they had and there was a recording of him radioing in like hey this thing is back over my plane and it's it's not a spacecraft he didn't know what it was it's not a spacecraft that's what he he was saying that because he he never seen a flying saucer he didn't even know what the fuck sure. a flying, flying saucer is sure so he's saying i don't know what this is it's not any type of spacecraft that I have ever seen. So that's why he said it's not a spacecraft. But it was hovering over his plane as it was moving. And all of a sudden, you heard something in the recording, then it was just all static. And the plane was never found. He was never found. He, it's just like he vanished from out of the air. The story sounds very familiar. And I've heard a couple that kind of match up with that. Mm-hmm. So that that's something that doesn't surprise me that that happens. Right. And when a plane disappears, unless it's over a big body of water, you're I, 100% going to find wreckage. I don't think, I can't remember. If he was or not, it was a brief thing that I was listening to when I was trying to get yeah, ideas. Yeah, I feel like this, it's it's got to be in here. Probably somewhere. in there. Yeah, but uh, I already got to reread this book. I've been reading this book for three weeks, four weeks, and I already got to reread it because I can't remember everything that's in it. But and something you brought up earlier, the debunkers in this particular case was like, oh yeah, he had UFO magazines in his house, and it's like I'm sure a lot of people did at that time. I'm pretty sure this was 70s or 80s. I can't remember what years it was. I got to look it up. But I was like, you literally have this guy saying there's something over my ship there's something over my ship and it's hovering and they have it on radar and then he's just gone he and it's not it's not easy to make a plane disappear and now, he never came back on a body of water it's a little bit different but still still usually there's radio there's radar contact watching it go down yeah now we i say that and then the whole the whole malaysian airlines thing which i don't know if you've gotten into that mystery at all i haven't really that one's kind of tough because what exactly happened with that they don't really know not they to think, get off course they think they think the pilot went awol and did it deliberately. Now they found the wreckage? They found parts of what they think is the wreckage. But I'll, have to, I'll have to look into that. So I guess there is precedent 
for a plane disappearing, a big plane. But still, it's not an easy thing to do. Right. Like, what kind of suicide would that be to just fit fabric? I uh, I don't know. I don't know. But there's the volume of stories that's out there, the consistencies, the implantations, people that wouldn't have been exposed to the stories telling the same stories. Right. There's a lot going out there. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out there and say it. minimum 50% of abduction cases are probably not true. Right. They were sure. either somebody on drugs or somebody making 50% were somebody making them up 20% were probably somebody and not the right state of mind to analyze what was going on another 10% would have been MK Ultra or something like that where something different happened to somebody and they decided to when their brain processed what was going on they decided it was aliens mm-hmm. but 20% of them man 20% like I, I believe them I, I, I believe it and I'm throwing those numbers out there just off of the top of my head but the, the, the ones with the multiple witnesses really get me yes they really get me, especially when all their stories corroborate. Like the 23 people thing. You can't tell me that 23 people all contacted each other and say, hey, we're all in on this We're just going to collude. People we're that all, have no reason gonna, to collude whatsoever. Collude. And, you know, and a lot of people think, like, in that story that Hopkins was kind of scammed by these two people, like the two officers, the politician, and yada, yada, yada. But how do you explain the 23 people that saw the same damn thing? Yeah, it's tough to – the whole thing. Writing it for profit thing. I mean, obviously it's going to come up because money dictates a lot of what's going on in the world. True. And also the skeptics that are putting time into this type of debunking are usually people that don't have the skills to become profitable (laughs) themselves. Right. So it's easy to criticize somebody for reaching for money that they themselves couldn't generate because they're not good enough writers or researchers. or they They don't bring anything to the table outside of picking apart somebody else's story. Right. They're not smart enough to create their own fabrication. So they're just going to knock down everybody else's. And you're going to find that a lot. And I find that with people that I even talk about, like I talk to in the world, that just kind of have that mindset. It's just, oh, it's all about the money without actually doing any real work into these cases. Right. So that's alien abductions. That's a good, that's a good, we, we launched it. We launched it. We did launch it. Um, I feel like this is going to be a topic we're going to have to swing back to probably several times. Probably. Uh, real quick, tell us about, what do you, what do you call them? The uh, Crop circles? Yes, the crop circles. Well, basically, it started off in England. It was basically a circle of crops that were, like, level, basically. But these circles are 100% perfect. Like, they're perfectly symmetrical. They're very geometrical. Yes. And as a kid, obviously, that's something that popped up because I've been in the aliens since I've been a little kid. I saw a documentary on the Discovery Channel or something, History Channel maybe, where I watched guys do it, like, real time. And it convinced me that they could be very easily man-made. Just, like, as a 10-year-old. And I was kind of like, I just watched them do this. And I saw how they did it. And basically, the geometric comes from the fact that they, they take a rope, put a stick, a stake in the middle of a crap circle or some crops. Yeah. Take a board, get your outline done, and just go swing back around. Yeah. If you stick to where that rope is and you keep it taut, it's going to give you a geometric circle. Of course. It's not like it's that difficult to do. Yeah, but have, haven't there been pretty, pretty crazy shapes, too? Like, the complex designs, but again, if you have a system together, it's not outside of the realm of possibilities to create the system pretty easily. How quick How quick can this happen? Because some of them are on a huge scale. The guys were doing them in, like, a half hour, like a ridiculous pattern in a half hour. Could you do them at night easily? Yeah, I thought. So you think that that's debunked? Well, I was convinced. Was. And some guys came out in the 90s, like Rick and Dave or something, Rich and Dave, who came out and claimed that they were the guys that were behind it. And it, it, it the story hit with the mainstream media enough that they were like, okay, it's debunked even though they had these idiots and they were in their 60s at the time they had them go out and try to do it they they couldn't (laughs) they couldn't pull it off which is ridiculous but they came out and kind of claimed credit for the whole thing 
And it was just like, well, there it is. There it is. These are the guys that were doing it. When you compare the number of crop circles that popped up compared to the amount of time it took them to do their little shitty one that they did, they were like, well, they had to have cranked out four a night for years <laughs> to make this happen. They would have to bounce yeah. them. And then they started popping up in the United States and Canada and Japan, across the world, basically. Yeah. They were like, how the hell are these guys doing all this? Doing four a night. How, well, they, they couldn't even drive that fast. Like, How and how, how has nobody been seen doing this? That's the other thing, too. And Tell me with all the cameras, with there all, was, the, all the shit out there today, no one's been seen doing this? There was one thing I read where they the, a group of researchers went to a field that had had crop circles in the past. It was like a hot spot for crop circles. So they're all on the side of the road with their lawn chairs out at night, waiting for one to pop up, basically. So they're all watching this one field. Meanwhile, that night, one popped up in the field behind them. <laughs> they didn't even see it. Oh, my gosh. How do you explain that? How do you? I don't know. See, I think I'm convinced that a human could, like, you and I, could, could you and I, if we, got our, if we got our shit together, we could pull it off easily. If we had Tim and Josh, we could be busting out some really good designs pretty quickly. I'm convinced of that. What struck me is when they did scientific analysis on these plants, number one, when they do it, they never actually break the crop. They just bend the stalk. The wow. crops are almost never broken from the stem. They're not destroying the crop. They're just making it grow sideways. Right. Number two, the radioactivity on the crops is always insane. There's always a ton of radioactivity where no other bunker is going to have any ability to expose a crop's Science radioactivity. Science tells the story, man. There's always something that pops up. Right. Like whether it's like a piece of stone or something in the middle of a crop circle. And oftentimes there's something that's there that they can't, they do analysis on it and they can't identify what, what the element is or like it's one time they thought it was a meteorite. There's always something else going on with these, which kind of creates a compelling case. That's now, crazy. I'm not going to go so far as to say that it's definitely aliens, but a lot of you, oof, the word is oofologists. A lot of oofologists, a lot of oofologists go out there and say that crop circles are alien made, but they're not intended for us. They're basically a signpost for other aliens to let them know about what's going on on the earth. Like they got that area checked out. Pretty much. One final comment I got to make on crop circles real quick is, I don't know if you get into like old ancient European folklore and mythology and any of that shit, but there's the whole Mother Earth type thing. There's a lot of people out there that say that the crop circles are a manifestation of Mother Earth telling humans, like communicating with the humans. Like Mother Earth is like shooting up these, this energy that knocks all these crops down. That's like her way of just kind of like expressing herself. Mm-hmm. There's other stories that it's fairies and elves that are out there doing this. And it's always in the UK, which there's a lot of fairy and elf legends. Like I've seen like on Ghost Hunters where they've been chasing fairies and elves basically. And little little gnomes and little, you know, those little guys like in Harry yeah. Potter and in yeah, the gnome. Lord of the Rings yeah. and like little, not really hobbits, but. Little shits. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And that's very prevalent in a lot of the countryside folklore in, like, the UK and in Scotland. They believe in that type of shit. So, just people out there are saying that it's them. Hey, nowadays, like, who, who are we to say this shit ain't real? Exactly. Like how, how, like, how do we know? So, I mean, we don't know. There's so much we don't know. Right, so much. And there's a lot of people out there that believe a lot of this stuff. And here on 4.30 in the morning, we're here to try and figure this shit out. We're advocates of the truth. We're advocates of common sense. But we're also open-minded individuals. And we're also open-minded to crop dusting. I've, yeah, I've got to go home pretty soon so <laughs> anyways is that a, is that about it you think we're uh, about to wrap this bed i think up? we're about ready i'm gonna finish my beer real quick chug it chug it damn got a professional drinker in here it's my only day to really drink this week so it's all right yeah same all right man well i i think we're all set i think we got a good recording in all right everybody thank you so much for uh listening to 4 30 in the morning uh it's, it's you guys that are making this happen yes absolutely we couldn't do any of this without you and please we didn't get the twitter out handle out at all in this episode so please tweet us did we get it out on the last one either i think we did i feel like we definitely got it out at the end but please tweet us at 30 in the 
Tweet us at 30 in the and tell us about your crop dusting. Crop well, circles. Sorry. Yeah, it's getting cut. <laughs> tell us about any alien abduction stories you guys have. Tell us about any crop circles that you guys have seen. Any ufology that you guys are familiar with. Anything you guys got alien related. Yeah, you know, crazy things that you've seen in the sky. You know, un- un- unidentified flying objects. And then episode four of this series, I'm getting into remote viewing. Remote viewing. Which is another thing that I'm not really going to spoil it. Basically, it's like psychotic, psychotic, psych, psychiatric, psychedelics. No, what's the word I'm going for? Psychosis. Where, where you try to, it's like you can use your mind to do stuff, um, like not telekinetics. Uh, I I know what you I know what you're talking about. Psych cycle, psionic. <laughs> no, it's uh, <laughs> we were talking about it on the one episode. Yeah, it's not no, it's not noetic sciences, oh. but it's psychological. It's like, no, it's not like telepathy, telepathy, maybe mental telepathy It's where you're using your mind to see what's going on in like a remote place, basically telepathics, telepathics. No, I think that's where if you and I were able to talk with our minds. Now, one th- one thing I want to bring up, uh, we're kind of running out of time. Sure. But in the Joe Rogan interview with Travis, he said that the aliens, even though they were very nice, they had no expressions, right? And because he believes that they had the ability to telepathically speak to each other. And he thinks in our future that we will be able to do that. Because they're they're probably billions of years ahead of us technology-wise. Yeah, probably. To the point that we're, they are able to do that. And if you're able to talk to somebody telepathically, you don't need to have facial expressions. You don't need to be doing that shit exactly i wouldn't do very Which well is very interesting definitely anyways you about ready to wrap this one up yep we're ready so uh thank you very much guys for thank listening. you everybody thank you uh please tweet us but we're gonna wrap this one up so thank you very much guys peace right but you look at that case and especially the <laughs> especially the implantation in the nose and all up in your junk. Like, I would not want to. Oh, boy. I wouldn't. Uh, that's not my thing. So, yeah. You got to be careful. Don't get abducted. So, you're telling me if you get abducted, they're going to play with your balls? Yes. <laughs> Jesus. That's the thing. And I hate. I don't. You're, you're telling me I'm going to get an alien BJ if I get abducted? <laughs> We're cutting that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't, shit! You killed, you killed my train of thought. It's what the show's for. It's what it's what I'm here for, man. Yeah, you're no, you're right about that. Um, that's getting cut though. We'll see. It's up to you, man. You're the editor. But you're no. the you're the editor in chief. I don't know about that. I don't think I'm the chief of anything. But again, the volume of cases out. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm. You're good. It's the corona. It is. We're probably gonna get coronavirus from drinking this corona beer, aren't we? Probably. Probably. Uh, real quick, tell us about crop dusting. Crop dusting. The, the... <laughs> <laughs> I've been crop dusting you all day because I've been ripping ass <laughs> in the studio. But no, I've been waiting to say that joke all day. No, tell us about you know what's uh, the. Um... What do you, what do you call them? The uh, crop circles. Yes, the crop circles.